hello everyone welcome to our inspiring thoughts podcast uh today our kind of uh, special guest that we've got is called gavin howarth and gavin is the owner and md of howarth who specialize in hr employment law and health and safety so uh, gavin great to have you on board thank you for having me excited to be here yeah and i promise i said to you already i wouldn't mention leads but i'll leave that off the agenda for today well that's fair enough and i, I well i have brought my Leeds united cup Oh, oh, good. I've, blur- I've blurred the screen. There we go. So, yes, yeah. I have uh, managed to get in. <laughs> good, good. Uh, so I just want to appreciate um, Gavin giving up his time today, but we're going to be talking about transforming HR. Uh, and for our kind of um, viewers, uh, Gavin's had seven questions sent to him in advance just to kind of prepare so we can get kind of his expertise uh, from today. So, um, Gavin, before we go into the seven questions, would you mind just telling our kind of audience about kind of your career history or kind of how you become an owner? Yes. So um, potted history is that my mum and dad uh, started the business 20 years ago, almost to the day. 2nd of June, it was um, 2003. Um, And I qualified as a solicitor at what was then Hammonds, a law firm in Leeds City Centre. Did my training contract there. And then uh, once I'd finished that, joined the family business. 13 years ago now and I've been running it for the last 10 years as MD and then we did an MBO so I bought mum and dad out two years ago to become the outright owner. Fantastic and you must be really chuffed. Yes I'm delighted yeah mainly for for all of us as a family um, it's been a bit of a a dream to be honest Stephen for us to you know for mum and dad to start the business from home with no contacts never been in business before my dad was 49 at the time so late come into the business world in some senses um for us to get this far 20 years on um and have a successful transition to the second yeah. generation um and us all still be friends and you know love yeah. each other still as much and um that that's the real goal i think so i'm yeah. really proud that we managed to achieve that Nice, fantastic. And it's also the um, bit that I see on LinkedIn. You can see that family uh, engagement, the success, the passion that comes through, which I know you share on LinkedIn, which is wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, mum and dad are still um, still involved in the sense that we have our own foundation, the Howarth Foundation, which my dad's the CEO of um, and my mum still volunteers and works within. So a proportion of our profits at Howarths go towards the Howarth Foundation. Um, and my dad runs that so whilst mum and dad have got no involvement in Howarths um, and they run the charity and so you know we're still very much working together as a family which is lovely and you're still smiling which is good exactly that's the main thing isn't it because otherwise what's it all for you're going to fall out with your family about it so the the number one thing for me was if we're going to do the deal we need to do it in a way that we all still love each other in the end and have got relationships and You know, I've got two kids and grandchildren, you know, mum and dad seeing them. So, um, yeah, yeah, I feel lucky that we managed to achieve that. That's fantastic. And it it also just shines through. So I know like when we see uh, on LinkedIn, like the comments from like your dad, how well and how proud you are from kind of that perspective. And also, I think we talked off air about the cycle ride that you've just done uh, as well. and really chuffed for your dad. So you can just see it, So which is great. Uh, And also, I think I saw on LinkedIn this morning where you and I engaged that your wife has been now part of the team uh, as well. Yes. Yes, so eight weeks now. Jen's yeah. been with us, um, yeah. heading up marketing. So yeah, that's been a an interesting transition, but it's great again, um, yeah. and it's all going really well. So yeah. and does yeah. it stop at work as work, or when you go home, are you still talking about work? That's the bit we're still trying to get right, to be honest, Stephen. Yeah. So we're um, 
we've probably ended up speaking about work quite yeah. a lot outside of work yeah. um, and we're having to rein ourselves in but it's only because we enjoy it really and yes. we're having ideas and yeah. so it's not um it's not a, a bad thing although yeah. yeah you do have to curb it a little bit because uh, it can take over otherwise yeah yeah definitely i'm oh, good on you i'm really chuffed really chuffed it's really good really good to see so Thank if you. we move into kind of um uh, a kind of seven questions um, and and I know um that your specialism isn't the HR world but I've asked you today because of um your organization and how you work so what would you see is like the common HR issues or common problems you see in organizations uh, that you work with from a HR perspective Yeah well where do we start so the, just for context, there's, there's 35 of us in the business and three specialisms. Like you said, we've got our employment law team, uh, solicitors and advisors, our what we call our HR growth team, working on what I would call the proactive side of HR, yeah. and then our health and safety compliance team. So that's our three specialisms. The, the, the problems, the way I see HR from an, uh, a non-HR person, yeah. but an MD's take on HR, if yeah. you like, two sides to it reactive and proactive the reactive is essentially that if we employ people there's going to be fires in our business every now and then help us put them out smoothly and efficiently so ultimately we don't end up in an employment tribunal simplifying it but that's the core Um, and then the proactive side of it I think when a business reaches a certain level of maturity starts to ask itself questions like how do I recruit better? How do I induct better? How do I performance manage better? Increase engagement levels, attract talent, all that good stuff. Circling back around to your question, I think on the the, the common problems on the reactive side, I think are what you'd expect. Things like disciplinaries, grievances, um, sometimes discrimination, 2P on acquisition, you know, SMEs having the knowledge to be able to keep compliant with the law with all the different facets of it and as you know employment law is ever-changing ever-expanding so that's a challenge within itself and then the proactive side I think some of the common problems I think personally are in the SME world which is where we specialize it's just fundamentally small and medium-sized businesses understanding the power of the people piece Yes. And and not they're not underestimating actually what change getting the people piece right can make yeah. to the business. Yeah. And I think personally in 20, and we may come on to this and shut me up if I'm going on too much, but in 2023 and beyond, in a post-COVID, post-Brexit world, this type of stuff, which may have in the past been regarded as a sort of nice to have. Yeah call it people, call it culture, call it engagement, call it employee experience, whatever. Um, this type of stuff is now, I don't think is no longer nice to have. It's it's critical to a business yeah. being here in the next three to five to seven years. Um, and I think that's one of the big problems is SMEs understanding the importance of that rather than HR yeah. being, oh, what's it actually add? It's a cost on our budget. It's always yeah. getting in the way, always telling us what we can't do. Yeah. Not like that anymore, I don't think. No, and I and I I agree with you because there's a bit of um, and I love the way you said about reactive proactive, because I see a lot of organisations that HR people have gone into the role to be coaches, strategic, you know, what true HR, and they've done their qualifications, but they're firefighting, so every day is like treading through treacle. And then the other part, um, uh, I really liked from the kind of proactive point of view, that if people 
if, if organisations, SMEs really take their people serious, great colleagues are now harder to come by. Yeah. Uh, and retention and engagement, those kind of things. Uh, and actually, rather than just seeing it as a tick box piece of paper, it can elevate your performance by 30, 40 percent by having some great people that you look after and you kind of develop and serve well. So um, I think you and I are perfectly aligned. Uh, actually moving forward is so, so, so important. I think that's right. And two, two points to pick up on, if I may. On the, the first point you made um, about uh, the, the, the role of HR, I actually think that in the SME world, a lot of HR people are recruited into the business without the board really knowing what they're recruiting them for. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and that's no, I don't mean that in any disrespectful way to the board of directors, because if you haven't had a HR function before, how will you know exactly what that function should perform? And yeah. But I, for example, I spoke to a, a HR director who um, is involved with a business with 400 plus staff yeah. and just casually asked, look, if you were to look at the HR world as reactive, proactive, like I've just put yeah. it, just off the top of your head, give me a feeling for how much you do reactive and proactive. Yeah. Um, and in that size of business, I would have expected a lot of it to be proactive. Yeah. In fact, exactly what you said, it was the opposite. Yeah. The vast majority of the role was running around the business, putting out fires. Yes. Um, and actually yeah. what that, that person wanted to do and what the business needs that person to do, although yeah. they might not know it themselves, yeah. is the proactive side because that's what makes the difference. Yes. And, yeah. and moving on to that second point, and just to echo what you said, that's absolutely right because – the formula underneath the proactive side, I believe, is increased engagement equals increased productivity equals increased profit. Yeah. So this type of stuff's not, you know, this kind of fluffy, nice to have. Yes. What does it add? This is like hardcore business, yeah. commercial yeah. reality. And, it, and, and the beauty of it is, as in all best deals, it's a win-win for both parties. Yes. Because the, the, the individual has a better experience at work. And, and enjoys their job more and enjoys the colleagues and the team and is more engaged with work and the business is thriving commercially, which is bringing success for all. Yes. And I love the bit there, Gavin, about win-win because <clears throat> that, that is the key to it. Uh, yeah. And all the work that um, I work with a lot of clients and they seem to think of a kind of like mediation, leadership, coaching, all that kind of stuff and not yeah. even changing people's policies is all nice and tree-huggy. Yes. It's not. Yeah, it's a commercial lens to either save you money or make you money and actually get those colleagues feeling better and more productive. Yeah. That's the key to it. That's the sweet spot rather than it's just to make it's just like to everyone to feel nice. Exactly right. And and I think the only way to achieve that and, and is you, you, you have to speak the language of the board. Yes. So what language the board speak? Money. Yeah. So how, how do we how is HR? enthusiast let me call myself because i don't want yeah. to um make out i'm part of the hr group <laughs> without yeah. the qualifications but uh, is is um to speak money to the board because that's what language a board understands so I, I i will often say look studies will show that someone who's unproductive yeah will be will will will, ha will be doing productive work for two days out of five on a full-time yeah. equivalent someone who is uh highly engaged with work will be productive yeah. four days out of five yeah Roughly speaking. So if you're paying a £20,000 salary yeah. to someone who's disengaged with work, you're only getting eight grand's worth of productive work. Yeah. And then boards start to think, oh, crikey, that's a lot of money. Times yeah. by how many people are disengaged in the business across yeah. all the different sites and departments, you could be losing a lot of money. Yeah. 
And now yeah. I thought, all right, yeah, OK, I'm listening now. <laughs> I can yeah. hear this bit because we're starting to talk financials yeah. um, and sort of build from there, I think. Yeah. Um, but and there is a bit a, of a disconnect. Um, and I totally agree because it's one of those ones that um, when I'm working with companies about influencing people. So our HR colleagues are what I call they go with their heart. Mm. so they get the inclusivity they yeah. get the mental health they get the well-being they get the engagement retention they understand all that stuff but the people that have the purse strings are the cfo the coo yeah. ceo that's yeah. where i come in and connect the head and the heart like yes. you do and give the kind of the maths to it and the, the figures that people go ah i can see why we want to put these new policies in or these changes because it's going to save us x amount of money and we'll be more productive but yeah. it's getting them both working together whereas when they're separate yeah they don't gel yes exactly yeah. yeah couldn't agree more no really good and where do you see them organizations letting themselves down from a from kind of a people person etc where do you from your experience of you know 20 years where would you see organizations let themselves down well i suppose there's many different areas but the first one that springs to mind i think is when a business is scaling and that that proactive that reactive proactive HR bit is I think there's a, an underestimation of how important first line managers are yes. in in that transition. So yeah. going back to my example of um, the, the business with 400 staff and the HR person yeah. doing 80% of reactive work when really what we, what we want is yeah. proactive. The only way a HR function can concentrate on the proactive side of HR, yeah. and again, just to repeat myself, i.e. the bit that's going to move the needle for the business yes. with high engagement, high productivity, high profit. The only way HR can concentrate on that is if some of the HR, the, the reactive side of HR is dealt with somewhere else. Yes. And that somewhere else is with managers. Correct. Yeah, so, um, so, so it all kind of interlinks in a way. And I think, again, maybe an underestimation, and I think businesses find it out themselves when yeah. they get to a certain size and things aren't working quite as well, when they start to see that actually this management tier yeah. Whether it's the SMT, the SLT or first yeah. line managers, they need upskilling yes. to be able to handle a degree of reactive HR work yeah. to free up our HR team to do yeah. the proactive stuff, which is going to make a difference to the business. Yeah. So I think that's a common one. Yeah. And, th and that is so true, because I say to people, line managers take the paycheck to be a line manager. Yeah. That's not just always the good times. That's also terms with the bad times, the people's the kind of people issues or concerns where line managers, you know, I work with some great line managers. They step up. They really care about the people, those kind of things. Whereas I see the uh, poorer line managers, if I say subcontract the issues to HR. Yeah. And then HR accept it. So in theory, the line manager's gone right, you know, done and dusted. I'll do the good stuff you do the people issue stuff and that's where I get them which I love your kind of um, analogy today they're just overwhelmed yeah from that perspective I think that's right and uh, you know I, I try and put it in really sort of down-to-earth examples but it, it, like you say it'll often happen where an employee comes into work on a Monday morning and uh, they say oh to their manager oh, I've received a letter in the post saying I've got to go to jury service for a couple of weeks yeah. um, I've never had that before what do I do and how do I take leave and what do I get paid yeah. The typical response from a line manager in an SME business will be, go speak to HR. Yes. yeah, yeah They'll sort yeah. it for you. <laughs> when in actual fact, the answer to that question will already be in the staff handbook. 
yeah. mainly yeah. because yeah. it'll say in there if you work for this company and you get a letter saying you've got to go on jury service here's what we'll pay you yeah. here's how your leave will work etc so yeah. the answer will already be there yeah. and it's something that the line manager could deal with correct so but but i'm not, I'm not criticizing line managers it's 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 about the um the managers being upskilled yes um the, the whole business understanding the interplay between management yeah. and hr correct. Um, and all working together to make that happen. Yeah. But I think that's the only true way that a business can successfully scale yeah. through the levels is by putting that structure in place. And I always say the evidence for that is if you look at companies who are bigger, who have yeah. been on that journey, that's the yeah. uh, that's the structure they have in place. And it's because yeah. it works and it's right. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's a really good thing about growth of actually yeah. what structure works uh, from an organisation. Uh, and what training would you see? So I'm probably jumping ahead of question, but what training do you see out there or what would you give for your leaders or anything like that? What What do you see works well? Yeah, so like yourselves, we, we are ILM accredited. So we yeah. do ILM accredited training for managers, um, uh, essential management course, yeah. which we're running in a different formats. But I think there's a couple of elements to that. There's a sort of leadership element um, uh, and almost a contextual like setting um, yeah. of what it means to be a manager because yes. I think none of us when we're in school and we're speaking to the careers advisor yeah. will say, oh, what do you want to be when you get older? I'd love to be a manager. Yeah, I, I've not met anyone who has actually said that. In a, yeah. We just end up in these management roles. And typically in the SME world, that's either because we're good on the tools Yes. And I mean that in the widest possible sense. Yeah. Um, or we've just been in that business a long time. Yeah. Neither of which are particularly good reasons to get promoted to management, but it's right. typically how it works. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of contextualizing. Just look, being a manager is a tough job. It is yeah. a hard job, especially in SME world. You're expected to wear 20 different hats. Yeah. Um, but if the business is going to scale successfully, yeah. it's a critical role. And putting it bluntly, like you referred to earlier, Stephen, you actually get paid a premium for doing it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you want the premium, yeah. you're going to have to do the extra bit of work, which comes with managing. Yes. And yeah. none of us manage exclusively. We've also got a job to do on the tools, yeah. typically in SME world. Um, but we've also got to find a way of managing because we're getting paid for it. Yeah. But but I do spend a little bit of time contextualizing it with the relationship with HR, because I think the why is incredibly important. So rather yeah. than just here's what you should do. It's, well, here's why you should do it, because it will free HR up. They can concentrate yeah. on the proactive stuff. Here's why that stuff's really important. And here's how the business will improve as a result for yeah. all. So yeah. a little bit of that. And then, of course, you get into the more technical stuff. You know, As a manager, I do believe you need to know a little bit of employment law because you need to yeah. know the boundaries for which you can set and how you can work. So yeah. like you know, disciplinaries, um, sickness absence, equality, yeah. you know, all that good stuff as well. So yeah. the more technical stuff you need, but as well as some leadership management contextual setting. Yeah. yeah. And I like it's kind of what the role the manager plays, isn't it? So actually from an SME or larger company, if you know, and you and I were chatting about football earlier, if you know the position you're playing, yeah, it's a lot easier then if you don't know the position of playing human beings we feel gaps so we yep. just assume that that's a good thing or a bad thing or i've seen that elsewhere but having that structure of let's just show you what role is expected of you let's give you the development let's teach you some employment law 
yeah it's so 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 important and i think the other bit on there about teaching people employment law it gives them confidence that they yes. can do things i see so yeah. many leaders going no i can't talk to that person or i can't they, they've said this no 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 you can you can go and talk to them these are the boundaries or rules you stick within but they're, yeah. they're, they're good boundaries and rules aren't they absolutely right yeah and i i, I totally agree with you and you, you see that often in um for example, sickness cases relating to um, mental health. Yeah. So, you know, if a, an employee or a member of staff is off work as a result of low mood, depression, anxiety, typically speaking, and I understand it from the line manager who is untrained or unexperienced, yeah. you can see some nervousness about how yeah. to address that, what to say, what not to say. But clearly that's no good for the business, nor usually yes. the employee concerned either. Yeah. Um, and something that starts small or could have been small yeah. then ends up escalating and yeah. um, costing the business money, not being a great solution for the employee either. So, um, yeah, absolutely right. It's about empowerment, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, I think businesses as well should be brave enough to understand that, look, if we're going to, if we're going to elevate this position of manager and it's going to be really important and we're going to provide training into it, not everyone may come on that journey. Yeah. You know, I, you may have someone who says, well, actually, now we're having this and I understand the future and what's required of being a manager. And I'm not too bothered about that premium you pay me. I'll go yeah. back on the tools. Fair yeah. enough. That's the yeah. solution as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's giving people that confidence to say, actually, this isn't right for me or this is you know, different route. Because I've seen so many people um, over the years that are good at individually at their job. Yeah. Then they get promoted and then it's like you're now managing 10 people, 20 people, yeah. whatever, those kind of things. And it's like, get on with it. Yeah. And I see so many people struggle rather than, and I've said to quite a few people over the years, are you enjoying your job? No, I can't stand managing people. Yeah. And I go, well, why don't you do something else that you enjoy? And it's like a light yeah. bulb moment for them to go, yeah. oh yeah, actually I can do something else and enjoy it. Yeah. So rather than people going kind of fighting through it, there are other options, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And perhaps part of that is this um, unconscious um and maybe societal uh, pressure to climb the corporate ladder correct when in fact you, you can expand roles outwards not yeah. just having to climb upwards so no yeah. i totally agree yeah and i think that's the bit where if, if more organizations realize that how can you expand the role or um, credibility pay however you look at it yeah. you'll have people enjoy the job rather than um <clears throat> i see a lot of people uh, especially when i worked back in the bank i said to them why do you want to move up the ladder money yeah and then eventually i said well what's the money for to you know get my own house yeah. mortgage family those kind of things it wasn't the job it was the money yeah so actually i think if more organizations had a look at how they want to skill or upskill people or pay people i think there'd be a happy more harmonious place and people go yeah i can see a future for myself here rather than i'll go elsewhere just to get more money yeah agreed and i think um trying to keep it simple as we do here in Yorkshire I, I say a lot here and I think to myself you know when we're speaking on the board it's round pegs round holes yes and I, and I think if you but it's about your ability to know people what super strengths you know I do genuinely believe that we all have two or three sort of super strengths yes. things that really suit us and I think it's more about doubling down on those than it is in trying to correct weaknesses yes. yeah um and I think that's up to managers and boards to, yeah. to, to have the emotional awareness and intelligence to be able to understand what those superpowers are amongst your team yeah. and then put people in the right roles that allow those to flourish. 
Yeah. Because then I don't think it feels so much like work. Because you're in your yeah. lane, you're in yeah. your flow, yeah. um, and everyone's succeeding as a result. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but but that's knowing your team, isn't it? And that, yeah. and that again, just to swing backwards, that is part of the role of being a manager. There's yes. th- there's no there's no blueprint anyone can give you as a manager to say, uh, you know, h- how to get to know your team almost, yeah. or which members of your team are going to be like this. Y- yeah. You've got to be able to do that, haven't you? By yeah. speaking to them, understanding, listening, yeah. which are the ones that need coaching and stretching, yeah. which are the ones that are actually okay, they do a great job, yes. but they go home and have a life outside of work. Yeah. Which one's which? How do we yeah. get round pegs, round holes to yeah. create an overall great experience for everyone? Yeah, uh, excuse me. And I love the way you said about um, super strengths on that, because it just reminded me of um, uh, with colleagues that I've managed over the years. I worked on their strengths because then it would knock on to the other bits of the business and other kind of development areas. Yeah. I used to get incredibly upset when we had people that were so-called working on their development areas. They hated it. They were not very good at it. It demoralised them, uh, made them unproductive. So I, I just agree with you. Please work on people's super strengths or the, those kind of superhero bit because it knocks on to other areas rather than keep yeah. penalising people that they just don't look forward to it. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. It just it is the imagery, isn't it? It was trying to get a, a square peg into a round yeah. hole. And it's just, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And what would you see um, <clears throat> by changing HR to more proactive? What would you see the benefits are for the colleagues in transforming that way? What would you see how colleagues would benefit? Well, just two points, I suppose. One is just to make the point that I think the compliance side, the reactive side of HR is incredibly important, obviously, and it's the building block and the starting point. Yeah. So what I just want to contextualise that because there's no use having a, a fancy engagement tool that, that tracks everyone's engagement. And yeah. if you haven't got contracts of employment, Correct. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah. so the compliance bit is the building block. And I see the foundations before you put the shiny house on top. Yeah. Um, but yes, once once that's bit right, then moving on to the proactive things. I mean, the benefit, like we said earlier, it's a win win for both. And I, I genuinely do believe that in, in 2023, the dream outcome for SME businesses is to have increased top line revenue, increased bottom line profit, increased return to shareholders, and be a great place to work with a queue of people outside the door wanting to work there. Now, that might sound utopia to some, but I don't think it is. Um, And there's a study come out recently, I'll misquote it now, but um, Willis Tower and someone, a big consultancy in London, and it's all about employee experience. Yeah. And it talks about how companies with these fantastic cultures will empirically return three times more to shareholders than the competitors. Yes. Yeah. So just re- re-emphasizing our point, this isn't nice to have fluffy stuff. Yeah. This is hardcore business commercial yeah. reality. Yeah. And I think I- I'm passionate about it because I think, yes, I want businesses to succeed. We only advise businesses. So I want SMEs to succeed. And this great country is made up of SMEs. 96% is SMEs. So I I want SMEs to succeed. But like we said, the best deals are win-win. I think if SMEs succeed, the individuals within them also succeed. And they have a better time at work. They enjoy work more. Um, And and we've all seen it in our personal lives, haven't we? With ourselves or others, if you don't enjoy work, 
Yeah. It has a massive impact on your life. Yeah. So um, I think by creating stronger cultures, high performance cultures, um, intentional cultures, yeah. cultures that are worked on um, and, and people's strategy gets further up the board agenda. Yeah. Um, it's a win win for all parties and people enjoy work more. So I think it's important work for the country yeah. because also we've got a productivity problem, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and, and driving productivity is really important. But I think you do that by driving engagement levels. The emotional and, connection someone has to the business, it's so important. Yeah, and, and I, just to pick up there, so sorry to interrupt about Not the, the words you said about intentional. Mm-hmm. That is a very good kind of um, point. Uh, I've seen a lot of organisations that play lip service and they want, we want to do a good culture, Steve, and help us do culture and all this kind of stuff. And then you start to say to them, well, it starts with the top. Let's have a look at your vision, values, where you're going, etc." We don't want to do that, Steve. We're not interested in that. Just, you know, make the culture better. That for me is non-intentional. Yeah. Whereas the actual true company, I've worked with some really great companies that are so focused, so intentional. They're deliberate in what they do. Um, but I call it the North Star. The colleagues are aligned to where the company, the company's going. Yeah. They're believing it. Uh, I just think that's such a good feeling. Uh, and I've got to be honest, it's that I've seen the better feeling of people in productive companies and profitable companies feeling good. Yeah versus people that uh, and i worked in a bank that was you know during the banking crisis that wasn't a nice place to work yeah whereas actually when the banking world was going good and you know it was all great people were getting bonuses people were great they loved it yeah but when it was shrinking that was the world was ending so yeah i definitely agree with you there is that bit about intentional profitability it creates engagement and i'm not saying it's all about money but Money helps to pay for be- people's better development, yes. better benefits, those kind of things. It does yeah. create a nicer atmosphere, doesn't it? I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think, you know, we, we, I suppose we have to be realistic and say that it's not that you can't make money without having a, a high performance yeah. culture, clearly. And there's many businesses and we, we still may meet business owners out, out there who you have a conversation yeah. with. And I'm not really bothered about a great culture as long as I'm making money. And yeah. OK, that's one thing. Um, but I do think the tide is turning. Yeah. And I think that's because employees have more voice. Yeah. And rightly so, more choices, rightly so. Yeah. So I think the tide is turning on that. And I think the early adopters or the, those that understand, not even early adopters anymore, I wouldn't say, but yeah. those that understand this people piece and grasp it now, yeah. because you can't build a culture overnight either can you no. that's the other thing no. it's not something you can turn on and suddenly yeah. you've got a great culture it takes years and and, yeah. and it also requires maintenance at yes. a higher level so yeah. you know those that kind of grasp it now understand yeah. fundamentally understand it and like you say are intentional and mean it yeah i think will be the winners in the next three to five to seven years yeah um because the as i say because of how the the market yeah. is and i don't think it's changing yeah uh, and I think, um, Gavin, I'm going to start a campaign about you being the next chancellor. So I think <laughs> I think we'll get that campaign going because um, I'm definitely behind you. And I, Thank you. Just, I'm just bringing myself down because once I get on it, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm no, excited about <laughs> but I can The bit there is, is, is about the passion coming through from you about SMEs, about how it contributes, not just to the SME, but the, comp- the country, the economy, those kind of things. Yeah. Massive knock on effect. Um, yeah. So you're, you're looking bigger than just kind of in internally what else kind of plays a big difference to it yeah. 
Um, and what else would you say that kind of um, helps organisations? So I know we talked about profitability and those kind of things, but what else by really grasping, you know, um, transforming HR culture, etc. What other benefits are there to organisations by really adopting this? Yeah, so so like you say, we've talked about increased productivity. Um, I'm always slightly hesitant to say increased profit because it depends what the business is doing, how they're investing, etc. But yeah. um, more financial success, a greater experience for the people who work within the business. Yeah. And then one thing we haven't touched on as much, although we've referenced it, is um, talent acquisition. Yeah. And you know the the I mean it's a very media term, but war on talent, and yeah. I, I don't particularly like. But but I I understand that. Talent is difficult to acquire. And if you if you believe that people make a business, yeah. then this becomes number one on your agenda. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I do. So for me, it doesn't matter how fancy your website is, your yeah. HQ, your machinery. Without the people, none of it works. Um, yeah. so, so building an employer brand proposition, yeah. which is a very HR term, but um, uh, is is critically important, isn't it? And I think uh, being being the uh, employer of choice for the top talent yeah. um, is is really important. And and I yeah. think it and you know I've seen it in our business over the twenty years. It's the people that make all the difference. Yeah. Um, and the ability of the people. And I don't just mean hard skills as well. I mean well, what people typically call soft skills. I don't like yeah. that term either. I call them power skills, but yeah. um, hard skills, power skills, emotional intelligence, awareness. Yeah. But it's the people that really make the difference. So um, the other benefit, I think, on top of everything we've talked about is the impact on the brand yeah. to the recruitment market, but also to competitors, to everyone else. Yeah. Um, building that employer brand proposition and creating a queue of people outside the door yeah. who want to work there Yeah. in that no, business. I really like that bit about a queue of people outside that want to work there. Uh, and I think there's a bit there of too many companies get complacent. Yeah. Uh, and think that person's been there five years, 10 years, they'd always be here, those kind of things. So I do keep believing that you've got to reinvigorate and keep people motivated and kind of from that perspective. Uh, and like now, the talent out there, uh, I'm very lucky. I employ a great colleague, a really, really good colleague yeah. um, that's worth their weight in gold absolutely worth weight in gold that yeah. makes a difference to the brand the organization those kind of yeah. things um and i've seen that with your company about people that represent yeah. you want them representing you kind of in and out of work how they behave those kind of things that that's yeah. definitely worth its weight in gold absolutely i mean you, you your existing team turn into your recruitment team in a way without yeah. ever asking for that to happen or yeah. um because they're just very passionate and engaged with the business yeah. and in fact for us 35 percent of our current team have come through that channel i.e yeah. a recommendation from an existing team member yeah. um because they're you know they love the business and are enthusiastic about it mm. so they mention it to people and yeah. they bring in talent that way so yeah, yeah. again um really important and, and yeah. again being intentional about it i think and working on it and that's yeah. a lot of what i do on linkedin is you know try and fling the doors open to howards yeah demonstrate the values and ethos of what we're all about and yeah. you know it may well put some people off and think now nah, that's not for me fair yeah. enough and then but others will say that's perfectly for me yeah and we'll and we'll send me messages through linkedin saying you know if there's an opportunity that comes up i'd love to work there you know yeah. so um yeah really important yeah and it is about um going back about um johari window really showing that arena about yourself 
and yeah. really kind of demonstrating to people this is who we are this is kind of words and actions mirror the same because i've seen it so often with organizations which we briefly touched today words and actions differ and yeah. can become quite hypocritical and kind of jar with each other those kind of things but i definitely see the successful companies words actions beliefs values all yeah. connect uh, and really align and people just go do you know what it's not a job i just like work being there you know yeah it's good fun we have a good sense of humor but we get the job done yeah exactly and and i think you're right in 2023 the the, the value of transparency yeah. To, to, to the customer, but also the, you know, your potential recruitment market it is critical now yes. as well. Whereas yeah. in the past, it might not have been. So I think people now do want to understand and see the inner workings and the thoughts yes. and where are we going and what do we stand for? And, yeah. Um, yeah. and again, I don't think that's going away. No, so. no. And I, I think the other bit like um, you, you would see as well, like different recruitment adverts I see where people are just lying to mm. colleagues. And I think they're only going to be with you five minutes and see through the truth. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to move on. So treat people with dignity and respect. Be honest with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is what we're paying. These are the, could be the bonus ranges or whatever that kind of stuff. People go, great. Do you know what? You've been honest with me from day one. Whereas what I really kind of struggle with is when people are dishonest and yeah. then a colleague starts the job, they've left another job or whatever. Yeah. And then they go, this isn't what was sold to me. Yeah. That, that for me is really kind of a bad organisation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ex- I agree. And, and just swinging back to a previous point, that we have to find ways of competing other than on salary, don't we? Because yes. there's always someone who pays more. Yeah. So th- th- it's very likely that every member of the team are able to go elsewhere and earn yeah. a little bit more money or a lot more money somewhere else. Now, of course, the salary has to be competitive, but we have to find ways of making our business attractive despite yes. that fact. Yeah. Um. And I think, again, the the uh, recruitment market are also looking for that as well, because it's not yeah. all about money. And I think COVID no. taught us that a little bit, didn't it? People yeah. realigning their life priorities. And Yeah. Well, if it's, I spoke to a colleague this morning <coughs> where I'm working today, uh, and they were saying that one of their colleagues uh, with a job wasn't about the money. It was about work-life balance. It was yeah. about travel time. What they got used to through COVID that that was more important. Uh, yeah. And I think now the recruitment world or employing people you have to be really kind of clever sensible what's going to appeal to people to want yeah. to work from you uh, it's not all about money yeah uh, and expect job satisfaction how they looked after uh, and i think um colleagues you know generation xyz are now looking for more culture diversity inclusivity those kind of things it's not in my day starting the bank i want the money it's yeah. now a wider range to kind of appeal to people, which I think is great. I think it's really good. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, point about building a culture and it not being overnight is one thing, but then the maintenance of it. So, for example, diversity, inclusion and belonging. We have our own what we call our DIB committee, diversity, yeah. inclusion and belonging. But and I'm shooting from the hip here, but say 10 years ago that the whole concept and arena of diversity, inclusion, belonging didn't really exist. It yeah. didn't feel like it existed. It wasn't a thing per se. Yeah. Um, and now it is, and rightly so as well. So, you know, you, you don't just build a culture and then leave it. Society is always changing. Well-being yes. is a big thing now. You know, diversity, yeah. inclusion and belonging is very important. Yeah. Um, the sustainability of what we do clearly is moving up yeah. the agenda more and more rapidly. Um, yeah. 
so so you have to have your finger on the pulse and be adapting yes to what the future recruitment market wants yeah. and needs are as well in in yeah. a co- and also but but in a line with what you believe in Correct. as a business yeah. so you have to have your own values of course and you, if some of your values might be regarded as old school i think it's fine to maintain those provided they're yeah. fair of course and and, and yeah. legal but um if if you still feel that those are important despite the way society is moving yeah. then that's okay if you're clear about it and you yes. like you say you have a golden thread of what you say is actually what you do yeah um then that's fine as well but some adaptation to how the market's moving i think and a yeah. blend between the two yeah is is the secret sauce no definitely and um, what else do you think organizations can do um to kind of support their hr teams what else do you think um kind of companies can do to really kind of elevate that proactive performance yeah so I sp- well, we work with two different types of businesses, I suppose. Those who don't have an internal HR function yeah. to those that do have an internal HR function. And I think, so thinking about the latter category, which I think your question pertains to more, i.e. businesses with um, who have built out, even if yeah. it's only a one-person HR department. I think what would help on the proactive side is a, a lot of the themes we've talked about today is just an understanding of the importance of HR and the difference it can make from senior leadership. Yeah. So the MD, the CEO, the CFO, finance director, commercial director, whatever it might be. I think if that top table understood in the way that we've talked about it, the importance of the proactive side of HR, the people piece, the culture, the employee experience. Yeah. And that trickle down through the business. Yeah. So I think it's just perhaps the top table supporting yes. HR in that sense. Yeah. Because I think yeah. a lot of HR departments know this, yes. what we're talking about, and feel it, yeah. but feel somewhat frustrated that they don't have the ability or time or resource yeah. to be able to execute it in the business. Yeah. But I think that's, you know, the, the only way to do that, I think, is is to get the top table on board. Yeah. You know, no, to find you, a way think, of doing that. I think you're spot on there about the top table, but seeing as HR is important rather than get us out of jail police yeah. or, you know, that rather than seeing them, like, you know, sort out the disciplinaries, all this kind of stuff. It's actually being proactive, going back to your bit. How do they play a big part in this organisation to move yeah. through the future? That's, yeah. I think, going back to, I think you said the golden thread. That's the bit that's going to elevate uh, yes. kind of. <clears throat> and also your capture. Because, you know, it's, it, there's a big, massive market out there for HR colleagues at the moment. It's a HR market. Yeah. So if you want the best of the best, yeah. try and make it a true HR job rather than a firefighting role. Good point. Yeah, that, I think that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely right. And and some, something that HR professional can get excited about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just the last question, which we always get asked um, from kind of our uh, viewers, et cetera. What, what is your self-development, your goal for this year? What are you uh, working on in Gavin's world? Oh, that's a good question. So much. I mean, I'm a keen learner, self-learner. I listen to many hours of podcasts, read, yeah. read a lot of books and probably quite hard on myself. I think one thing I do want to do is make sure that I'm enjoying the successes along the way. Yeah. Um I posted about it quite recently when we when we um, quite a few years back now, but when we first hit our million the million pound turnover. Yeah. So just to tell that story very quickly, it was we'd worked very hard and it, 
from not to a million pound revenue is a hard slog. I don't think yes. there's any shortcut for that. But we, we sort of held up that seven figure turnover as the, you know, the the sort of mirage in the desert that if you could get there, yeah. it'd be fantastic. Yeah. And what a feeling that would be. And we got there. And when we did, it, it, it was great. And it was nice to feel that we've hit seven figures. But yeah. my mind immediately went to, well, that's really cool. What next? Yeah. And yeah, how we're yeah, going to yeah. make how we're going to do more than that. Um, so, and I am very conscientious and head down and dedicated and um, probably quite hard on myself and 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 uh, pushing us on. But I don't want to get to later in my uh, career yeah. and think oh, you should have let up a little bit and had a, enjoyed yeah. the, the yeah. enjoyed it as well on the way. So, I'm I just want to remain very conscious of that. I think and yeah. um, make sure I do that and not regret it later yeah <laughs> excuse me and I, and I think that's a really important thing of even through my early career it was what's next what's next I've got that let's move on what's next yeah. uh, and I think it's when I read Sir Alex Ferguson's book about celebrating success and I thought yeah he's probably true in that absolutely yeah. about actually enjoying the moment the present because yes. I know in myself that I don't always enjoy the present I'm always on the future or the next journey yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas I think actually to go do you know what excuse me we've done a good job let's celebrate that success uh, yeah and i'm not being funny for to achieve a million pound turnover should be you know treated as a you know a great phenomenon in a business yeah. uh, from that point of view uh, i won't yeah. ask you about your next uh, financial goal because that, that'll be that'll be driving you forward for it but i won't <laughs> ask that Excellent. yeah yeah well well yeah i mean it, it will and i, I suppose um, we've just had a non-exec director join us actually in the last six months, and uh, Elizabeth, and she's been brilliant. Yeah. Um, and one of the conversations around that has been, which I think is a very important question for us all to ask, yeah. is the why. Yes. You know, and and, and uh, you may have these grand aims, which are great, yeah. and we all should have goals to achieve, but yeah. why? Yeah. And why why make the sacrifices and why push yourself so hard and what yeah. are the ultimate benefits yeah. and successes you want to enjoy yeah um so a little bit of that work i think over the next 6 12 18 months oh fantastic well i will sure watch with um bated breath to come and see <laughs> and also successes because i do love watching out on the linkedin posts so um, from my perspective gavin it's been an absolute joy to have you as a guest today really really appreciate it uh, and i think before we come on air we said um we can even do a podcast about football and we can kind of <laughs> yeah. digress so um uh, i really appreciate you coming on board today and also with your excuse me your honesty and openness um and how can people get in contact with you gavin what's the easiest way to kind of uh, contact you or keep an up to date with house thank you and just to say i've really enjoyed it myself as well so thank you for having me um i always feel in, uh, infused with energy having yeah. great conversations so thank you um probably through my linkedin uh yeah, yeah just gavin howarth uh h-o-w-a-r-t-h and the company name's the same but with an s howarth's um, so I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot, as you referred to, and yeah. I keep uh, posting and updating everyone. So, um, so yeah, on there is probably the best way. Yeah, fantastic. So thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, fingers crossed with uh, Ipswich and Leeds next year. So I'm an Ipswich supporter, so that'll be a good game uh, to go and watch next year. So good luck with that as well. Yes, thank you very much. I know I nearly did uh, pick you up then for uh, finishing on Alex Ferguson. Yes. all people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd only yeah. briefly mention it. Yeah, yeah but no, absolutely. Congratulations to uh, Ipswich and look forward yeah. to that fixture. Yeah. Fair. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gavin. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Stephen.